of the reasons that it really matters to focus on verses 9 through 12 of 1 Peter is that for most of us, the question of how to love our enemies can be successfully motivated is an urgent question. And that's what Peter's dealing with here. The, the question of how our hearts can be stirred to bless those who revile us. And the question that we're going to ask in order to answer that question here is how does he argue? How does Peter argue, especially how does he use the Old Testament? All of this right here is a quote from Psalm 34, 12 through, I think, what, 14? That's a, that's a quote from the Psalms. How does he use it to argue for why we should not repay evil for evil? And that will relate directly to the question, how are we motivated to love our enemies? So, Father, Jesus made a very, very big deal out of not just loving our neighbors, but loving our enemies. And I pray that you would help us now to become the kind of people who do this by showing us how Peter, incentivized by the Holy Spirit, with the Old Testament, through his argument, our love for our enemies. So let's read this. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. So don't do this, do this. Bless instead of reviling. Bless instead of repaying evil for evil. For, here comes an argument, to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Now, that can function, that argument right there, because for can work in two different ways, depending on what this refers to. If this refers backward to not repaying evil for evil, then the argument goes, don't repay evil for evil because you were called not to repay evil for evil so that you may obtain a blessing. So let's, let's call this A, so that you may obtain a blessing. So act this way. Um, let's say love in order that you may inherit a blessing. So that's the logic if this refers back. Now suppose this refers this way. So bless instead of repaying evil for evil, for you were called to this, namely, that you may inherit a blessing. So suppose that you may inherit a blessing is the this to which you were called. And then the argument becomes, don't repay evil for evil. Instead, bless those who curse you because you were called to inherit a blessing. 
you were called to this, to inherit a blessing. So then the argument, let's put this, call this B, love because you, let's say, have an inheritance. The call of God has brought you into this inheritance. Now, notice the difference. One motivation is bless those who treat you evil in order that you might inherit a blessing. And the other is bless those who treat you evilly because you have an inheritance. Now, both of these are biblical. They're not bad theology. The question is not what's good theology. The question is which one of these is intended here in verse 9. Are we being motivated so that our act of love is a means or a path to get to the inheritance, or are we being motivated because we are to think on that we already have an inheritance. And let's point out right away that many people rule out A theologically because they say, well, look, here in chapter 2, just a few verses earlier, in 2.24, it says, He, Christ himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So Christ died for us that we might live to righteousness. Our living to righteousness doesn't earn or uh, obtain the benefits of the cross. He died for us. That comes first. He purchases our inheritance. We are secure in him. Our sins are forgiven. Now we live lives of righteousness. And so they say, well, then clearly he can't mean love in order that you might inherit a blessing. Well, I don't think that's right. And I don't think this A contradicts this right here. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, indeed, that we might live to righteousness. But it still may be that we must live to righteousness in order to have the inheritance for which he died for us. We don't earn it but it might be the necessary path to get there. Is it? Now, how does he argue for all of that? All of that. He puts this word for here. For, and then he quotes the Old Testament. Whoever desires to love life and see good days. So there's an incentive. Do you want to love life? Do you want to see good days? Well, then keep your tongue from evil. Lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil. Do good. Seek peace. Pursue it. All of that is the life that is included in this right here. So he's using this Old Testament text to show what the incentive and the argument is for why we should bless those who treat us evil, why we should keep our tongue from evil, why we should keep our lips from speaking deceit, why we should turn away from evil, do good, seek peace, not conflict, and pursue it. And then he argues for it here. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are 
open to their prayer. These are the rewards that come for living that way. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So how does he argue in that unit, that Psalm 34, 12 to 14? He argues here by saying we should do these good things, keep our tongues from evil, our lips from deceit, let them turn away from evil. We should do good. We should seek peace. And here are the incentives because then we'll be able to love life. Then we'll see good days. Then the eyes of the Lord will be upon us. Then his ears will be open to our prayer. And if we don't, his face will be against us. All of that supports interpretation A, and that's what I think the answer is, because he introduced it with this little word for here to show the reason I'm bringing in Psalm 34 to 12 to 14 is to show that this is the kind of argument I mean. And it doesn't contradict salvation by grace through faith alone, because we're not earning this blessing or this inheritance here. We are simply proving by our behavior that we have been saved. 